Welcome to Faith and Family, a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. And now from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood and welcome to Faith and Family. I want to thank you for joining us today as we launch into part two of our series entitled Ways to Strengthen Catholic Marriages. Last week, we talked about commitment and its role in building strong, lasting marriages. If you have a marriage going through a hard period and all marriages have ups and downs, we talked about how commitment can get you through those periods. And really, I'm trying to get a little bit of jump on the Vatican's Family Synod coming up. And I'm sure there's going to be all types of exhortations to strengthen Catholic marriages and family life. And right now, we're getting a jump on that. And we want to talk about another way that we can offer practical help to Catholic marriages, reduce divorces, and strengthen Catholic family life. And here it goes. We need to prioritize our investment of time and treasure. As you know, I hope you know, we've returned to kind of our sign-off signal that we've had for years previously during the papacy of John Paul II, now St. John Paul II, who said the future of the world and of the church passes through the family. If you can catch that, to really control the outcome or to predict the outcome or to contribute to the outcome of the future. It's through the family, the future of the culture, the wider world, as well as the future of the church. It's all born, its seedbed is in the family. And I dare say, and I I really don't wanna step on toes, I wanna be an encourager today, but are we really investing our time and treasure according to the value of the family for the future of the church? St. John Paul II in The Role of the Christian Family in the Modern World said this in section 65. Please listen carefully. And I quote, therefore, it must be emphasized once more that the pastoral intervention of the church in support of the family is a matter of urgency. Every effort should be made to strengthen and develop pastoral care for the family, which should be treated as a real matter of priority in the certainty that future evangelization depends largely on the domestic church, unquote. Now, let me ask a question. Really now, how many parishes make support of family life, quote, a matter of urgency, unquote? Or how many parishes undertake, quote, every effort, unquote, for the pastoral care of the family? or to treat modern family life, quote, as a real matter of priority, unquote. Now, I'd say, and this is just a guess, but in my experience in traveling over the past 20 years, 
I would guess about 3 to 4% of American and Canadian parishes make marriage and family life a matter of that urgent real priority. That's it, 3 to 4%. Some are doing a fantastic job. Some are launching out trying to initiate a fantastic job. But I dare say there is such a huge void. So ask yourself, bring it home. And this is a way to just make it practical. Does my parish have a budget line item for marriage and family life ministry? Now, for those of you who are not accountants, a budget line item means in a budget, any budget, family budget, a corporation's budget, a hardware store budget, or a parish budget. You just list all of the things that are going to be your expenses. Electricity, water, personnel, insurance, whatever. So in budgeting, does your parish have a line item, a place for marriage and family ministry? And if it doesn't, that means it hasn't really prioritized that into treasure. In other words, the treasure is allocated by means of a budget. And here you have one of the two most recent saints in the Catholic Church saying, this should be really at the top. Doesn't mean it has to take all the money, but it, it, it should really find a line item budget. So let's, I think if we're honest, Family ministry has been neglected by too many parishes, but any parish that starts offering concrete, practical assistance to marriage and families may be surprised. They may be very surprised by the giving of grateful parishioners. Let me just give you an example. What if a parish makes needed roof repairs? Now, if your roof is leaking in your parish, in your sanctuary, or wherever it is in your parish, it obviously needs to be repaired. That, that you know, repairs are part of budgeting. Or what about if your carpet's all worn out, or if you live in a warmer climate, the air conditioning goes out? Those are needed repairs. They have to be done. But in making those needed repairs, it will probably make very little difference in the overall giving habits of your parishioners. But let me say this. If your parish, through giving of a prioritized, budgeted item, out, effective outreach, practical outreach to Catholic families, and maybe marriages that are on the brink of divorce, or maybe offering assistance to parents with undisciplined, maybe slightly out of control child, and you help them, you may end up with grateful givers for years to come. My point, dividends follow a family focus. Um, you know, we just don't want to talk about this. We want to translate it into action. And any business, any organization, or any parish, really, when it comes up with an action step, you need to find a place for it in the budget and maybe even move some things out of the budget that aren't quite so important. But I would suggest 3 to 4% of your 
Parish's overall annual budget, that's a great beginning point for what should be a matter of urgent priority. Okay, let's move on to another way we can strengthen Catholic marriages. And again, from the Family Synod, you're going to hear a lot about strengthening, quote, the front end of marriages. It's always easier to prevent problems than it is to solve them when it comes to marriage and family life. But folks, today's world is different than a generation ago. Today's world is different than a half generation ago. And in today's world, if you wait until a pre-Kena class to give premarital instruction, it's often way too late. Why? Well, there's a high probability there's cohabitation or at least premarital sex in today's world, or there could be engagement to a person that's very likely going to create a lifetime of headaches and heartaches. But if you go into a class after you're already engaged, it's very hard to reverse the process. So what is needed is what I would call pre-premarital instruction. Now, I'm going to pop the bubble on a lot of marketing in Catholic circles, and I'm just going to tell you it just outright. Many types of chastity and premarital curriculums or pre-premarital curriculums are marketed to parents, youth leaders, and pre-cana instructors. But that's not the big question to ask. The big question to ask, is this curriculum appealing to my target audience? There's a huge difference. I was just thinking before the broadcast, well, actually, it wasn't that long ago. Uh, Family Life Center was both making cassette tapes and CDs to basically get the audio messages of our Family Life ministry out there. And we found that even after, I would say, 99.9999% of young people had switched to CDs, many of the parents and grandparents were buying them cassettes because maybe their car still had a cassette or they were still using cassettes. And we tried to suggest to people it was time to switch to CDs, but they still wanted to use cassettes because that's what appealed to them. So we just basically quit making cassettes. And of course, now there's this thing called MP3 downloads and all the parents and grandparents want to buy CDs. And that's good for Christmas and birthdays and such like that if you want a tangible gift. But an MP3 download is where the young people, that's what appeals to them, not what appeals to you, what appeals to them. So my recommendation is to put on a bookshelf the various things that are marketed to you right here on Catholic radio and websites and advertisements and periodicals. This is the, this is the magic solution to everything for keeping your child chaste or something like that. Okay, put those materials on a bookshelf along with a book entitled How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. Now, my recommendation is to use the book 
how to avoid falling in love with a jerk as part of pre-premarital education. The author is Dr. John Van Epp. But don't take my word for it. Put all these resources on a bookshelf and then field test it. Bring in some young people of the age and demographic background that you hope to reach through this class or this youth group or whatever and have them tell you what appeals to them, not what appeals to you because marketing of youth products is targeted at parents and leaders. It's not really targeted at the youth because they're not buying this stuff. They're not choosing this stuff. And if you choose something they're not interested in, well, <laughs> you're kind of going uphill. Now, I'm going to press this a little bit further. And at first, you're going to think I'm insane. But here it goes. I think you ought to pay a lot of attention to Taylor Swift, the singer-songwriter. Now, if you don't know who she is, talk to somebody under 20 or 25, and they'll certainly know who she is, a young woman who sold something like uh, 30 million albums so far, and she's still young and has had 75 million single digital downloads. Now, I cracked my daughters up because once I said, well, I'll tell you what Taylor Swift's, all her songs, it's kind of like... I dated him and he was a jerk and he really treated me poorly and I really got sad and I'm done with him. And you'll find that theme repeated in like a huge percentage of her songs. Now, she's known worldwide for her music that focuses on past experiences with relationships, particularly relationships that didn't turn out so well that maybe she should have even known better. In other words, there's a lot of jerks out there. And in the words of Dr. John Van Epp, the author of the book, How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk, he says there's a lot of jerkettes too. But basically, she is sharing her personal experience that has found such a ready audience, something that millions upon millions of young people are interested in somehow identifying with somebody who's had jerk experiences. Now, you bring a young person in here to the Family Life Center, and we have in our warehouse downstairs from where I'm speaking to you right now, we had a number of books on courtship. I've written two of them, edited a third one with my daughter, Stephanie, which you know, obviously, I think a lot of my books, but the young people uh, go right past my books and they go to How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk, pull it off the shelf and start flipping through it. Hmm. So you can ask yourself the big question, is this curriculum appealing to my target audience? Or am I choosing this curriculum because it appeals to me? Big difference. Dr. Van Epp has his book, I already told you, How to Avoid Falling in Love with a Jerk. And then he also has his Pick a Partner program. It's on premarital interpersonal choices. And it teaches young people 
to go through five distinct stages in their relationship. In other words, it shows the progression of a relationship, breaks it down in stages, and he shows that if they go through this stage in order that he recommends, one stage before the other, then you don't end up marrying somebody and saying to yourself, what was I thinking? Because you weren't the rational thought gets overridden, for instance, if you put the physical stuff early on a relationship way before you've gotten to know and trust the person. This will make a lot of sense to young people today, both the chaste young people who have still have ears of wisdom and those who have gotten burned and are buying the tens of millions of Taylor Swift albums to hear somebody sing about how they've been burned. So it's a very winsome non-preachy way to reach young people in today's world. And it's an excellent curriculum as well with college students. But the earlier you begin with this, the better off you are. So I guess you would say to use it with high school students, it's not only pre-premarital counseling, it's pre-pre-premarital counseling. Get a head start. This is a resource that I think you would find. You're probably only gonna hear from the Family Life Center um, but it's a resource that's going to appeal to the young people in your group. Okay, now I need to switch gears to another way to strengthen Catholic marriages. Uh, just the other day, I was at a Waffle House restaurant. Now, I have to say that not everybody in my family thinks Waffle House is the uh, best restaurant to stop at. I personally think it's great because not only you get food for an economical price, but you get a free show watching the short order cook. And I was sitting next to this man on um, Waffle House right up there at the counter watching the short order show going on. And he said to me, women confuse me. And then he said, they get upset about what I say, and I don't know why they're upset. My past Two wives confuse me. Even though I divorced them years ago, they still confuse me. And they still get upset about what I say. He says, I give up trying to understand women. Basically, he was saying, I don't know how to communicate. I don't know how to share in a winsome way what I desire in a relationship or a marriage. And I can't for the life of me begin to understand what my previous wives were trying to say. And this just kind of came out. So I thought, well, you know, I'm going to be talking about communication and faith and family radio. And I want to share. I think a lot of men are like the man I ran into in Waffle House. And in fact, communication problems are cited by divorced and separated Catholics as the biggest challenge in their relationship. Therefore, if it's the biggest challenge for those who have basically either separated or divorced, in other words, this is the biggie that's causing problems to actually terminate or separate a marriage, it has to be addressed. And couples, it goes without saying, need help with communication. But the specific type of assistance offered can make a world of difference. Boy, I wish I could get it across. I could just jump across this microphone and get right before you. You need to be very hard-nosed about what you choose, just like 
a moment ago when I was saying, don't listen to some hyped advertising about what sounds good to you. Get something that's solid that will appeal to those who you're trying to reach. Well, the same with communication. If this is causing couples to divorce and separate, unlike any other problem, what you offer may spell doom and gloom to a marriage, or it may be its beginning of healing and restoration. And it really pays to choose carefully. Now, to accurately evaluate a marriage communication, I'm going to ask you to not do something. Don't, don't, third time coming, don't depend on a survey at the end of a marital communication class or a marital, premarital communication class. Uh, very often at the end of the, the session or sessions, a survey is handed out and people say, oh, this is wonderful. It helped us change our lives, everything else. And then boom, a few weeks, few months later, back into the old problems and separation or divorce follows. You can't depend in choosing a marital communication program on a survey at the end of a class. Rather, you want to investigate long-term fruits with something like a three- to five-year study of those who have undertaken the communication program, and by a study, ideally a third-party study, not the people who made the program or promotes the program, and even better, that third party should be university-based research, okay? Very careful research. And if you take this second evaluation approach to a communication program, I can tell you right now what you're going to end up with. Because there is one communication program that unfortunately, and I don't understand, I truly don't understand, it's not very widely used within Catholic circles. Very limited Catholic circles is it used in. But if you would rather than relying on surveys at the end of a teaching class, rather look at a three to five year survey by a third party, ideally university research, you're going to come up with a communication program called PREP, P-R-E-P. That's short for, it's a mouthful, Prevention Relationship Enhancement Program. That's probably the last time I'll say that. I'm just gonna call it PREP. PREP has been evaluated by multiple university-level research studies, and no other marital communication program even comes close to PREP after you start looking down the line after couples take this communication training three to five years down the road. Now, if you're looking for a way, just one, this is a whole series on ways to strengthen Catholic marriages, but if you're looking for the single most valuable way to strengthen Catholic marriages, then listen to the results of a Bavarian study on marriage couples. And this study, believe it or not, was co-financed by the Catholic Church. And they researched 
various premarital programs to see their effectiveness after five years of marriage. You know, everybody's glowing, uh, you know, during the engagement process and during the pre-canon classes. And how was it? This was wonderful. We're communicating better than ever. But what happens three to five years after? Because, you know, the peak of first marriages, the, the divorce starts hitting about seven years out. So about five years, the problems really start surfacing, and many before that. Now, they looked into all types of premarital programs. They, the survey compared those who had no premarital training whatsoever, those who had various types of premarital training, including your more or less standard pre-Cana training, and they compared them to couples who just took PrEP. Now, pre-Cana generally goes on for six months. PrEP generally goes on for Friday night and Saturday. Okay? Remember, we're not paying attention to surveys at the end of the class. This is a formal survey by both a government and the Catholic Church combined financing this that looked at couples after five years of marriage. And those couples who are taking PrEP beat every other type of marital preparation. And those without PrEP, including those who went through pre-Cana, had an average, are you sitting down? Had an average of a 500% higher rate of divorce during their first five years of marriage than couples taking a weekend of PrEP training. Uh, Don't rub your eyes thinking I just made some kind of boo-boo here. Yes, 500% higher rate of divorce during the first five years of marriage compared to those who took a weekend of prep training. It beat by a huge margin every other form of premarital training, including six months of pre-cana. Now, I'm not advocating getting rid of pre-cana, but what if we put prep training within pre-cana? What if we offered prep training at least annually in our little part of the world for couples who want to strengthen their marriage or couples who are hurting in their marriage and want communication that really makes a difference. We're going to talk more about PrEP in our next episode of Faith and Family, but you've been listening to episode 46. Visit us on the web at familylifecenter.net. Faith and Family is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at familylifecenter.net. To order a CD copy of today's broadcast, order online at www.familylifecenter.net.